are in use. So I deleted a podcast file that I was using by accident while I was editing the InSpace review. I had to re-edit the whole thing. As I was listening to the review, I could not tell you. Like, even though we were we were going over arcs and stuff in, in the InSpace review, because that's we were like, hey, remember the Zeo review? Well, let's do that for the InSpace review. I was like, okay, well, how would we do this for Lost Galaxy? And even when we were talking about general arcs in Lost Gal in 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 space, we were still able to like discuss like points about an episode pretty well, despite how zonked we were for that episode too. So like, <laughs> I I can't say that we could do the same <laughs> for Lost Galaxy. I'm not even as high this time. That's not even the that's not even a crucial fact. Like I was higher doing in space. And I could still tell you so much about it because a lot of it fit together in that way that a good TV show does where, you know, these little pieces all like add up to these bigger pictures and then these bigger pictures add up to a final, even bigger narrative that ties it all together. And like, it was just really elegant in that way. And was it rough around the edges and imperfect? Absolutely. It's 90s television made by people who were at times definitely more interested in making money than, you know, making great TV. But it really had something special to it. It's really, there was really just this cohesion. I don't know. It felt a lot of times like you were watching like a relatively high prestige TV show if you just kind of like, ignored the rough bits you know yeah and it's like i'm gonna be honest with you guys like as long as the acting keeps it above smallville levels i can tolerate it right yeah it, like, yeah well said well said <laughs> yeah because smallville had some of the worst acting like i could ever possibly dream of uh because even the lowest like i'm gonna give you guys an example in Space had that Andromeda Ashley episode where they switched places. Smallville had this episode where uh, General Zod's lieutenant, I can't remember the woman's name, but the one that's like basically like Zod's wife, takes over Lois Lane for an episode or two. And it's like some of the most wooden acting that I've ever seen in my life. Because like she's just like, ah, I'm evil, so I have to be dark and brooding. So it's just a lot of like looking at people like you're going to fucking be a predator or something. Uh, so I know what it's like to do the whole body switching acting and it's a fall completely flat on its face. But that Ashley and Astronomer episode really showed like a, a huge dynamic range from both of them because that was played yeah. out really well. Like I, it was so believable. But they were this both able to step, uh, you know, right across the line so to speak and just play the other side really believably without any like stumbling or misstep it, it was very impressive exactly yeah and this season though it kind of just seemed like nobody's acting was good outside of the <laughs> supplemental characters right yeah and like kinda. even the, even like the ones that are kind of decent are problematic in nature <sighs> <laughs> this is a really disheartening season. Turbo was like, we almost couldn't keep making the show. <laughs> like <laughs> it was it was borderline. There was a little touch and go. 
for both of us, just in terms of like, honestly, do we I actually want to get scarred from Turbo? Like, I think about like some of the worst times for this show. I'm like, every episode has been a blast with you, right? But like, I think back to our Turbo times, and I'm like, not only did we have to watch a shitty season, but we had to redo two episodes of the show Seriously. for that particular season. So just re-talking about it and getting angry over it again and again and again <laughs> as we discuss every point was really just bad. opening the wound over and over. Season two was another, like, bad one where I think, like, when we were watching, like, a ninja encounter and stuff like that from season two, I remember, like, our DMs at the time and we were like, man, maybe we can't actually watch Power Rangers till the very end. <laughs> I don't quite feel that way at the end of Lost Galaxy. So I, I can say that, but I do feel just like, whoo. Like this one didn't test our friendship, but this one did test my patience more than once. <laughs> this was the first as a time. Viewer. This is the first time that, like, I've actively watched the Power Rangers. We watched some bad Power Rangers episodes together, right? Like, In Space had some pretty bad episodes that one, one or two of which can be, like, down for, like, top ten worst Power Rangers episodes of the Zordon era. For sure. This was the first time where we watched a season or watched a couple of Power Rangers episodes, and I'm sure you probably had these moments during Turbo as well, where, like, you up and said in the middle of an episode, like, this needs to get better or this is like the worst season <laughs> or like maybe just above turbo if that or as bad as turbo yeah um and that that really says a lot and you know as we get yeah. into it like when we started we started with quasar quest quasar quest was pretty decent you know we knew from the get that it was going to be an overly fascist season just with the plot threads that were being developed where Dog, I can't even. I can't even. I'm struggling to remember these. Um, Leo. Which one? Leo. Yeah, Leo's a stowaway. Gets on Terra Venture to pursue a a better life in a space colony that is trying to colonize a different planet that has the exact same like or similar parameters of living of living conditions to Earth. Right. So cool. That means shit on Earth is getting really bad, or the governments have like overtly turned extremely fascistic because it, it becomes even to the point where even the space colony itself is sort of its own nation that you need to have a passport that seems like it's lotto given versus yeah. like able-bodied and so surprisingly though we come to find out that it doesn't seem like the lotto is uh completely random because there's some racism involved here right yes. damon's character and we get introduced damon is the green ranger he is a black man who does maintenance. And in this season, there is very few outfit switch-ups. So Damon will look like a car mechanic for 90% of this, or 100% of the season, right? Every time he's demorphed and not in the Green Ranger outfit, this man is in a car mechanic outfit. Yeah. And it's very, it's embarrassing, honestly. Yeah. And I'm as, just going to say it. Like, especially because. I don't understand why this is the first season where everyone just has to absolutely wear whatever clothes we found them in. Because they haven't done that before. That's, that's brand new. The only this person not... that gets an outfit change is Red Ranger, right? 
he gets a slight outfit change, yes, from when they find him to like what he wears for most of the season. He gets a slight outfit change. And there's a few other like small outfit change moments, but they are not changing outfits much this season. In previous seasons, especially like in think back to in space, first of all, after they become rangers, they put on these snappy fucking uniforms that look great. And it's even more embarrassing when the in space rangers come back to help. And they look fly as hell in their in-space uniforms and, like, they're professionals. And, like, these dudes next to them just look like amateur goofballs on every level. It's, it's, it's... so, yeah. So, like, in space, they wear these, like, good-looking uniforms all the time. And then also, every time they disembarked, they would put on, like, normal-ass clothes. And they wore, like, seven or eight different outfits each over the course of the season. Right? Like, they didn't just, like, oh, I got one outfit, that's all I wear, you know, kind of, like, which is basically what we get here. Everybody just wears the same shit all the time. It's super bizarre. The clothes that they're wearing don't even make sense or seem comfortable or functional. I know this is a weird thing to be hung up on, but it's, like, I don't know why they made this choice when they've never made this choice before, and it's always worked fine until now to not do that. Yeah, I don't get it either. It just adds to, like, sort of institutionalized racism that's involved, too. That's his work clothes. Like, if if he... They, they all somewhat run off from their jobs at the start of the show. Now, to what extent they, like, completely abandon their previous responsibilities varies a little bit between the Rangers, but they all kind of run off from their previous responsibilities when they become Power Rangers this season. Um, and Damon explicitly, like, this ship was going to be a museum that he care took, and he takes off in it to be a Power Ranger. Like, he does not have that job anymore. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, he explicitly does not have the job at all. He should have just, after the first episode, he's just in a green t-shirt and some slacks or something. Yeah. Just vibing. And he's like, yeah, uh, you know, now that I'm a Power Ranger, I don't have to wear that stupid uniform anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it just seems very, very weird. It's, yeah, it's the, there's so many frustrating things like that. Just a lot of lazy stuff. It's so weird because it's like, they just barely save the show. And then what do they do? They just go back. It, like, like the show was never about to be canceled, basically. And they're just like, we're back to the grind. Doing it the same way we always have. Crank out another season right away. Do but it's it lazy. Still serious. It's still serialized. There's still a somewhat coherent plot line all throughout the the entire story. So it's like we can't necessarily say that it's it's the same as like Zeo or Turbo or something like that. Because no. it's still heavily serialized. The problem is is that I, I hate to use this like I, I always have this Cliffy B idiom about Gears of War 2, right? It's like they wanted to make it bigger, better, and more badass, right? So then you get like Lost Galaxy, which suffers from the same season two problems that they had years prior, which the whole we've got a bigger budget now, so we're going to spend more money on set design and more money on special <laughs> effects, but not like put more money in the story department. So then, like, right. you'll get these concept writers who will be like, okay. What if this season, last season, we did like Star Trek socialism? What about this season, we go Starship Troopers fascism? 
and just like play it straight all throughout, right? Because that's still a part of American sci-fi. So right. it's a neat idea and it's a neat take, but there's certain design decisions that sure, right? It has allusions to real life stuff, but it's just frustrating because like we would be more likely to overlook these sorts of things if other parts of it weren't also bad. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, I would rank this above Turbo, above season two, maybe above Zio, but I feel like that's starting to push it. <clears throat> I think Zio's um, like, I know we haven't done our, our season ranking, but I think Zio's probably like the second best season of the Zorro. Oh, that's also, but that's also because like, we literally watch like maybe 16 out of 50 episodes or something right? like that. Our Zio Kai cut was really, really good. Um, yeah. Specifically for that season. Though, I think we're still having some contention on certain episodes we need to add. Namely, Tommy's like Arrowhead backstory. <laughs> See if that's actually canon and relevant. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just a lot, of, a lot of problematic elements. And even when yeah. you disregard all the problematic elements and, and eat the whole boot and just be like, you know what? They're eating the whole boot and it's good. Fine. <laughs> But there's just elements of the stuff that's not, right? Yeah. And it comes right at the follow-up, Race to the Rescue. Oh, my God. The Galactopies suck. Yeah. <laughs> like They suck so much. Like, they're not cool at all. There's no reason for them to exist in this, like, alternate animal form sometimes. Because uh, they just turn into robots when it's time to fight. Like, when they get serious, anyway. They'll fight as animal form a little bit sometimes. Yeah, but it's so like, they're why? Like, they're like organic beasts that are mystical, mind you. They, they have, like, magic. Yeah. And we know this because of the problematic Yellow Ranger, Maya, who uh, play, is supposed to play a Quasarian, indigenous Quasarian. And th this is, like, the multicultural pick for for Power Rangers, right? Because it's like, okay, we have a couple of white people in there, but we also got to make sure that's like Hispanic, a black person, you know, Asian person, something like that. So Maya is is the multicultural pick, <laughs> and she's well, and she's the multicultural pick because she's Italian. <laughs> this is this is incredible. It's it's time to finally see Italian representation. For far too long, Italians have been unfairly slandered by people like me. I mean, um, other people, not me. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I couldn't believe it. It reminded me of this time where when I was like 10 years old and my stepdad was talking to me about friends and he was telling me how Joey is the diversity pick. Oh, it's so true. But God, I hate that. This is the whitest season ever. Yeah. Because you've got Maya, who's Italian. And it's sort of pretending to be some sort of vague. This is kind. Of, this is a little like it's like a slightly less bad version of like the thing in Turbo, where like she's she's parodying a non-culture, but in such a way that it's still damaging to real people, and it's just an unfortunate thing. So you've got that. You've also got Kai, who is like a. Incel? Like, yeah, like an incel, just like a somewhat white passing Asian also. So like more so than like some of the other people that they've had on the show. 
Yeah, Kai just gets like, like one focused episode this season, and it's just okay. <laughs> and it doesn't really and, add too much to his character either. Yeah, and to be clear, like it's not all about how he looks necessarily, but like realistically, like it just feels like especially with how they also played, like had him play his character and everything, like they just like went out there looking for, you know, an Asian person that would basically just come off as white on like in mannerisms and everything and like the way they present him and not that their representations of like Asian people have been good so I don't know if this is better or worse in some ways because at least is, Kai, Kai is worse because that well but at least Kai didn't ever have a scene where he was like ah yes my Chinese heritage prepares me for this kung fu shit or whatever yeah i guess but like it makes for worse entertainment because kai is just like a cop but it's what i'm really just trying to get at is like okay so we've got four characters so far that don't give any representation is what i'm trying to say yeah like realistically and then the only character who gives a slight sense of representation is damon but this is the most racist they've been towards a black person on this show so far and they literally made Zach the black ranger like you would think it would be hard to do worse than that and they literally treat Damon worse than that yeah because Damon Damon is a racist caricature is he not yes he's he's sort of a combination of a few caricatures a lot of times he comes off as like the friendly black advice guy you know, which is like 50% of Morgan Freeman's characters. If you're like trying to think of an example. Oh my God. Um, like that's, think about I it, right? Like, that. like, like Damon is like a motherly type of character who's just a warrior. But the way it's portrayed is like not good. And on top of that, Damon has that, oh, whoa, it's me. Why am I always the one getting picked as the bait? And it's like, yeah, Damon. Why are you always the one that gets picked as bait? For That's traps? interesting. Why does that happen? Hmm. Have you ever huh. Have you ever thought further than like surface level like, "Oh man, why do I keep always getting the bad dice roll? Short end of the stick here." Like, man. But then that's why I say he's like the friendly advice guy too though because once it's over, he'll just be like, "Ah, you guys." <laughs> you know, hugging everybody. Yeah. Uh, uh. Anyways, Galactabeasts. Yeah, the Galactabeasts suck ass. They're organic beasts that do like an armor spell that turns them into the fucking zords that you'd know and love, except the CGI looks worse, the designs look bad. Every, I'm going to let you guys know right now, every single design in this show, except for maybe... Damon's Green Ranger and Magna Defender are good. The Zords suck. The Galactabees suck. The suit designs suck. The suit power-ups suck. The Battleizer yeah. sucks. The enemies don't look that good this season. Well, Sab Sabiot, I think his name some is. Of the, some of the enemies look. Villamax is kind of okay. I think D I thought Deviat and Villamax looked, you know, not exceptional or anything, but they looked like good, solid 
you know, Power Rangers, villain lieutenant type characters. Whereas some of the ones before that didn't really look that good because there was that other guy before Deviat who also had a name that kind of sounded like he was going to betray you just from the nature of the name. I can't remember what it was, though. Something like stab you in the back, you guy. And um, <laughs> he, he, that, he had like those big like wingy shoulder patty things. Was and, he like, the one he, that was going to kill Magna Defender? It probably. Okay. And like he was like, yeah, it's like a, a lot of, I don't know, a lot of those villains just did not look that cool at the start. Scorpius looked kind of cool, but also just freaky and weird and unsettling in a way that just didn't really suit a show where we generally have a lot of somewhat personable villains. Yeah, Deviat looks cool. Villamax looks like Power Rangers version of Predator. So that's pretty cool, I think. Yeah, um, I, I think Villamax is pretty cool looking. He looks a little like, like a tiny bit like Darkonda or something, you know? He's got like that, uh, some of those like, just like bizarro mutant space pirate vibes. And that's yeah. fun. Captain Mutiny is also pretty decent as well. Yeah. Uh, in terms of design. But yeah, I mean, sure, right? Like these are all like maybe B tier level designs, but nothing iconic, I would say. DVI kind of no. looks like it could have he could have been in King Mondo's army or something like that. Even then. I think the strength of Deviat is his personality that pulls the appearance design through. But yeah, the problem is is like the Galactabeasts and then the rest of them is that it's hard to get hyped for anything when visually it's unappealing. The lights of Orion power up or the Rangers also look like shit. Yeah, very mediocre. Um, very, very cheap plastic. Yeah, it's... I'll say this about the Zords, too. I don't think that the animal Zords actually look like the worst we've ever seen, but we never get to see them. Because they go straight from Galactabeast mode to quickly being animal Zords, and then it's Megazord time. The Galactabeast look like shit. The Megazord is not necessarily horrible but it's one of the least impressive that we've seen looks like a fake version of their first one the Megazord. yeah yeah it just looks like a um, knockoff lost galaxy is not very good folks and especially <laughs> at first it gets a little better later but it takes so long to get there um yeah. the first half of the season is like a four out of ten yeah uh, like it, i think after we watched homesick we were like this might be like some of the worst Power Rangers in because Race to the Rescue and Homesick were probably equally as bad as what is it Redemption Day? That's a, you're talking about the one we picked as our worst. Yeah, yeah, they were only slightly better than Redemption Day. Yeah, and if only because Redemption Day is very offending and just so <laughs> over the top. Like that's the thing. Like at least like Race to the Rescue was just, like, mostly super boring and, like, ignorable. And that is offensive in its own right. But it's not as offensive as, like, just just wanting to yell, oh, my God, at the TV and, like, throw something at it, which was, like, the Redemption pogged. Day feelings. You can't even get pogged off of this stuff. No. I'm super soft when I'm watching Race to the Rescue and Homes. And part of the reason is because there's no fucking heavy metal. There's no <sighs> metal at all. And it's the same, like, fucking 14 notes off of the Superman theme song from 1978. 
It's the so same, it's, like, fucking notes. It's so bad. And it continues throughout the entire season. It gets better around the halfway point because they change up the instrumentation a little. And they're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, and we'll I, occasionally I had a, do metal yeah, after or the halfway point. Or they'll take some of the, the, the notes from the, the Lost Galaxy uh, theme song. But even the Lost Galaxy theme song ain't that good either. But even that little bit of Lost Galaxy metal fucking sent those scenes like one or two points above what it normally would have been. It's hard to have any, any sort of feelings while action is happening when you have the same BPM, you have the same fucking like four notes going on, you have the same instruments playing, no tension involved at all. You're just, your eyes are glazed over the screen. Shit's happening. You can check out and then like a minute or two later, check back in and you're like, holy shit, this is still going on? Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Um, And like, it's weird because last season, they made it work with the hybrid music. Occasionally it was a little weird and the music was like not right for the scene. But they made it work for the most part in in space where like you have like the sweeping horns and orchestral stuff when they're like in space just like on the ship or something you know where like that stuff sounds the most appropriate in general and especially for its time you know is copying off of shows, shows like star trek and then when they're in battle it's like and it's like badass stuff and, like, for the most part in In Space, they nailed it. Like I said, a couple times they made bizarre soundtracks choices for a specific scene, but it was rare. Here, they were, like, just all horns all the time. And unlike even, like, so, like, Star Trek is, like, all horns all the time. Uh, 90s era Star Trek. But they still, like, switched it up a little. And, like, you know, had different tempos and different melodies and things. And, you know, even if a lot of the instrumentation was relatively the same, you knew when it was a battle scene or when they were just hanging out because the music was different. Here, it's like if they're just hanging out, the music is the same. And if they're in a battle, it's the same as it was when they were just hanging out. It's weird as hell. Yeah. Yeah. And Homesick kind of introduces the plot point that... Uh, Terra Venture is out here in space and they're not fucking around. They can't turn back to Earth. They're out here trying to colonize. And you have the stowaway Leo who's all like, yeah, you know, I really can't go back and now my brother's dead and I miss him. Like, it's hard to get excited about Leo because his acting performances isn't that good. And you know what? He's not all that relatable, to be honest with you. Leo sucks so much, I would practically rather have Rocky back. That's a, I think Leo gets better towards the last half. But I think the beginning, the beginning half is not good at all. The back half, he's okay. It, yeah, it sucks, though. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Like, we really can't, like, we really can't discuss these episodes with just, like, constantly critiquing the performance because the performance is shit. <laughs> There's so many bad things going on right in this season. Like, yeah, you kind so of- many frustrating episodes, so many frustrating characters, a lot of plots that don't make sense. It's like the exact opposite of in space. 
Yeah. Uh, if this one had come before in space, it would make more sense. It would be like, oh, um, they tried to do the sci-fi thing and they kind of goofed it up the first time and then they figured it out the second time. But it's like you just did a successful sci-fi season with tons of great themes, strong characters, lots of... I mean, every character in In Space was pretty good um, compared to like here where it's like nobody's even exciting hardly lost galaxy would have been better if it took place before mm -hmm. in space and turbo never happened and you got the cast for turbo the new rangers to come into lost galaxy minus justin <laughs> it's clear that justin should have never existed yes right but like take cassie ashley pj carlos and then like and andros you could put Andros in it in Lost Galaxy and then put them in in space as yeah. well as like a follow-up season type deal. Yeah. Do that instead. Yeah, I could see that. That'd be cool. I could imagine TJ in Leo's character and like doing these exact same plot points and doing it so much better. So much better. Easy. Just by the fact that he's just a way better actor right out of the gate. Yeah. <laughs> The next thing uh, we get into is the Sixth Ranger arc, which is the Magna Defender arc. And this stretches from the Lights of Orion to Redemption Day. And basically, you have this character named the Magna Defender. is a Nick Cage-esque Power Ranger. Or not really. like He's a Nick Cage-esque anti-hero who has similar like powers to the Rangers in terms of like appearance. Oh, you like, know what, what he's like? Do? What is he? He's Ninjor, right? He, he's like Ninjor, yeah. Ninjor yeah. was like probably a Zord, right? Like we had to kind of conclude. Like Ninjor was probably just a, some sort of Zord himself. Yeah. Um, And uh, that's kind of the vibe that you get from the Magna Defender, especially because his kid is a tiny Zord. Yes, yes. And Magna Defender's whole thing is that Magna Defender is trying to get revenge uh, against this specific villain for killing his son. Yes. Yeah, like Scorpius and his crew betrayed Magna Defender. His son, like, tried to, like, rush at them and they just, like, shoot him down and kill him. Which is actually pretty intense when you think about it surprisingly uh dark themes in this season um that really one good a lot scene, of really grim stuff that one good scene gets repeated over and over and over and yeah, over you, again you watch this little tiny zord die like seven times it is a really good scene <laughs> but you just keep getting time. exposed to it over and over again <laughs> magnet defender that motherfucker shows up on the sea and just starts blasting. Yep. He wants He's the lights of Orion. always got it on him. Yeah, he thinks that the lights of Orion will help him resurrect uh, his son. He just thinks he's going to get revenge. Oh, so you think that the lights of Orion was simply going to grant him enough power to take on... Yeah, he just, he just wanted the lights of Orion because he wanted to personally get his revenge on Scorpius. Because eventually, especially like, uh, Leo, and this is credit to like Leo doing an okay job at times. Leo does like try to reason with the Magnet Defender, and is like, "Look, 
we have the same goals. All we have to do to work together is comp- each compromise a little bit. And the Magnet Defender is like, nope, absolutely not. You can just get the fuck out of here with that nonsense. Um, yeah. <laughs> so like, like, and it's it's all about like, he just wants his revenge, and you know nothing else is that important to him. He has this whole thing where he's like he's sort of blinded by his hatred for Scorpius. Love it. And yeah, what's great about this is this is the perfect contrast for our five upstanding moral Power Rangers to position themselves against and like grow as characters. So it does work really well. Yeah, I think the Sunflower Search and Silent Sleep, both in general, had really good moments where Leo had to go against Magna Defender and Leo basically had to fight Magna Defender for the right to use the lights of Orion to help yeah. to help his space colony out. And so yeah. that whole contrast was really good. Also, like Magna Defender is just badass. Like his Zord is really good. The uh, he transforms into a he gigantifies and transforms into a Zord. That's really cool. The only, like I said, the only problem with these fucking scenes is the bagpipes. It's constantly blaring in my fucking ears when I'm trying to pog. But now, here's the thing, too, is that like it's really fucked up that the Magnet Defender doesn't save the show more and really speaks to how bad it's going at this point. I do think he saves the show a little bit. He does. But what I'm saying is that like the Magnet Defender overall is good enough that like if you inserted him as a replacement for like the Phantom Ranger in Turbo or like anyone in in space or whatever, you know, like just go back to any season or go to Zeo even. And I would say, like, even there now, it's hard to want to remove Jason as the Gold Ranger. But even there, the Magna Defender would have brought an excellent dynamic to the show, right? What I'm saying is just that, yeah, he brings a good dynamic to the show, and it just barely makes this first part of the season worth watching at all. I can't even imagine what it would be like if we didn't have an interesting Six Ranger come onto the scene, because a lot of these episodes are still kind of like fours. Yeah, really, it's really just the Sunflower <laughs> Search and Silent Sleep that I think are really good. Silent Sleep specifically for a lot of like some of the coolest action shots that I've seen in Power Rangers. Yeah. And I, I personally, I thought even though the power-up ultimately ended up being kind of weak, Orion Rising and Orion Returns were like a pretty good two-parter bucket by comparison to a lot of the other episodes we had seen up till then. Not enough to like really make like a huge note about, but like they weren't that bad. Like if you cleaned those episodes up, there could have been something there. Cause like that's where you really get like the ultimate sort of nexus of the conflict between the Rangers and the Magna Defender. It all comes to the head, comes to a head. And like, you know, it's like this difference in morality. Is it good enough to want to beat evil? Or do you need to be good while you do it? Seems to be the question in, in those episodes as they like, you know, argue with the Magnet Defender and fight with the Magnet Defender and then also fight alongside the Magnet Defender and all, you know, all kinds of things happen over the course of those two episodes. So it's like, that stuff's okay, but not amazing. But then you get Redemption Day, which is the send off for the first Magnet Defender. And this shit. Sucks. 
we covered this in our best and worst because this was easily one of the worst and just one of the worst episodes of Power Rangers ever. Yeah, it made a lot of things about Terra Venture not make sense. Like, why have a fucking volcano in your <laughs> biome? Like, I just don't understand, especially when you're in space. Not to mention the whole fact that Magnum Defender died from a self-inflicted wound. It's just the bad end to an otherwise pretty good character. Uh, you also realize that Magna Defender stole the life force from Mike, right? Like, he saved yes. Mike from death and then he stole Mike his life death, force to get out he of He combined the Mike's life force with his own to make himself strong enough to do the Magna Defender stuff again. And he basically says, like, I, we didn't even mention this in our review, but he basically says... Yeah, your your brother Mike's spirit is inside me, and he's all the time wanting me to be like more moral, basically. Which is like, okay, that seems kind of fucked, if I'm being honest. It's very nineties. Like I think I I think like that was like an arc in Spider Man or some shit. I'm telling you. It, a, yeah, a Marvel it feels super, like it was it ripped off of something else. Yeah, it definitely feels like a Marvel superhero arc for sure. But this whole season feels like a fucking Avengers movie or something, and I do not mean that as a compliment. Yeah, more like Age of Ultron. Yeah, nah, this is bad. Redemption Day is bad because you find out that Magda Defender is like, oh no, like Magda Defender actually doesn't have redeemable qualities. It probably does deserve to die. And he even tells Leo, Leo, strike me down. Yeah, I give you permission to strike me down. And Leo's like, yeah. Yeah, nah, Leo, do it. And Leo's, like, straight up about to strike him down. It wasn't for the volcano that Magna Defender had to stop from erupting that he provoked well, himself. Also, Leo feels like he kind of maybe can't, you know? Because, I, again, like, this is a... Like, the ultimate thing with the Magna Defender and the Power Rangers is a battle of morality. And so Leo's, like, almost ready to do it, but he's also kind of like, ah, can I actually just strike down Leo the Magna the fascist. Defender? Leo don't give a shit. Leo might hesitate at first, but Leo will do it. Like, he'll, he'll hesitate with the decision, but Leo would have done it. If you'd given him, like, five minutes of taking the cameras off of him, he would have done it. Oh, I mean, yeah, give him a little more time and he's going to do it. Yeah, like, <laughs> Leo has showed no restraint when it comes to murking people, if they're a villain. Yeah, no, he's he's pretty hardcore, and uh, not necessarily a compliment, once again. <laughs> After Redemption Day, we get Destined for Greatness, which is the episode, kind of the best episode for Leo. Also the best episode for, my, well, no, not the best episode. Really but just close. yeah, pretty close. But the this best... is a good episode. This episode showed a little hope because this episode is like at least a six, maybe a, a solid seven, even. It's just like a good you know that this is coming, basically. And like it's always satisfying when like you uh, you definitely know that a plot is coming and like it still manages to like play out in a relatively interesting way anyway. Uh, Leo is not too quick to give up the power, which I like. He's not just like immediately like, here you go, bro. Here's your sword. He's kind of wrestling with it too. You know, I think all of that stuff is pretty neat. And I think it's a good episode. And I think the way that Mike handles it is really good too. Um, Mike may be the best actor this season of like the Rangers. He seems to be competent. 
I wish he got more screen time. For real. But he seems really confident all the time. Like, he really puts forward this really believable character. He's expressive and emotive, but at the same time, a little reserved and a little bit, you know, a, a little bit hard-headed. And uh, he's a pretty good Sixth Ranger in a lot of ways. They just don't give him enough screen time. It's after this, you basically never hardly see Mike again. And I'll say this. I wanted to mention this earlier. I think we have to revisit the watch guide for this season. Because whoever list we were pulling from waited towards the first half of the season, which sucks. And then there's like whole huge gaps of episodes we didn't watch after Heir to the Throne. And I suspect there might be one or two of those that's pretty good. I think that I don't I don't know. I'd be willing to make some cuts. I don't know if I'd be willing to add. I think my, I would, my I would like to look. My willingness to add would probably be around the Lost Galaxy part, but we'll get to that. <laughs> but I'd say we probably could cut Homesick. We watch Homesick and see if we need to cut it. It's already been established that Leo misses his brother, and it kind of already has been established with the fact that nobody can return. That's a main sticking point. As far it's as adding stuff, yeah, I'd say, like, I, 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 I would probably say, like, after Heir to the Throne, be my guest if you want to watch that those filler episodes that are in between and see if any of them are actually canon. But I'd be more than willing to say, like, if we could find some canon episodes in between, like, Enter the Lost Galaxy and Escape the Lost Galaxy, I'll take it. Specifically between Runcher on the Loose and Escape the Lost Galaxy. That's fucked. Like, I think it really shows, like, kind of, there was a writing error. There had to have been some writing issues behind this. Because I, I think that they, they were dragging out certain plot elements to this to get to the, the 45 episodes. Versus, like, being an, a truly serialized show where it's just, like, everything for the plot, right? Yeah. But before we get into that, let's talk about... Some of the episodes that lead up to that, huh? The yeah. next one we have on the list is the rescue mission. This is Alien. The rescue mission is interesting because it's kind of good, but also it does not feel like a Power Rangers episode. I think we debated on putting it on our favorite episodes, but it's not a Power Rangers episode. Like the Power Rangers show up at the very end in their uniform. And they don't do anything. They're in a ship, you know, making sure that everybody's back in the ship okay. Because they go out to a distress signal. They go investigate a stress signal and land in the space station where there's a monster on the loose killing people one by one. Yeah, no, nah, there's a bo- Like we've said in previous episodes of Lost Galaxy, uh, there's a body count. Well, they just narrowly season. avoid the body count in this episode because what they do is they find all of the captured... Uh, soldiers but in this weird like body horror situation where they're like trapped in these like cocoony things and like the monster is clearly like gonna eat, eat them it's 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 fucked yeah <laughs> um but it's kind of a cool episode but it's not power rangers it in fact it feels really weird when the power rangers show up yeah it's <laughs> just an excuse to do alien <laughs> They were like, hey guys, let's do an alien episode. Wouldn't it be cool 
And then they did it, and then they were like, wait, wait, hold on. Power Rangers. Where, where are we going to fit the Rangers in this? Um, and like they they had a, a a little bit of trouble merging like Power Rangers with Armageddon, but like they were still able to like do it and do like that homage. This does not come together in that same kind of way. Really, it feels kind of weird and incongruous. It's kind of a fun watch though. I would sh- like watch it again or show it to somebody maybe. Yeah, as like an interesting talking point, like a conversation piece. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I agree. And the main point, the reason why we were talking about this episode and why it's canon is the fact that on this space station, there is a mystical book that talks about these lost... Well, actually, it's just a mystical book that has a bunch of spells in it and history and lore and all this other stuff in it. Part of it has a picture of the Galactabeast that's torn, and it has another torn piece that reveals... Two Galactabeasts of which they have yet to find. Three. Three, ooh. <laughs> and so we get to the Lost Galactabeast parts. Honestly, this is right back to Race to the Rescue homesick levels. If I could pick both parts of a two-parter as my worst episode, I would consider picking both parts of this. <laughs> Strictly within the parameters of it being a two-parter, this is the worst two-parter we've, I would say. Yes. Easily. Like, there's action. There are, they, they go out to a planet to find the Lost Galactabeasts. They, they, they fight these Zords that end up coming onto their side. And these, these new Galactabeast Zords, they also suck. They suck Ooh. big time. Yeah, it's like... Two of them are kind of okay, but the shark looks like shit. Well, the two that are kind of okay looks like shit from, like, Beetleborgs or something. They're not they that exciting. They fucked up the Zord design. They, they completely fucked up. There's not <clears throat> one good-looking Zord. Even, even when we get to this part and we're supposed to be excited about new Zords. Not... No, the Lost Galactabeast is terrible. Honestly, like, just absolute trash. And then this was the part where you were like, this show better start getting good. And thankfully, it did. <laughs> Yeah, because the next because, episode is your favorite one, Heir to the Throne. Yeah, and it's just it's just a fun look into the villains. The villains have been the most interesting part this season so far, and they seem to just sort of realize that around here and just say, "Fuck it, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna like take things back to the level of like astronomer levels of like you know having like a complex court of villains." That is, like, fun to watch. Which, Scorpius, like, had a little bit of that at times, but it didn't really cohese somehow. Like, it was just, like, I don't know. There was, like, there, it didn't really feel as good as it could have. But after this point, it feel, the villain storylines basically feel perfect from here through the end of the season for the most part. Like, really strong stuff. Yeah. I, I told Kennedy right after watching it, they got to watch it for me first. And so I never thought that the villains were the problem, right? Like, they were never the yeah. problem with the show. It was always the Rangers that were the weakest parts. So even during the Magna Defender parts, where said some of the best episodes were like Dio versus Magna Defender, Magna Defender was the main plot point that whole time. Yeah. He was the main character on screen. He was getting... All of the screen time, for the most part. 
Like the Rangers were here and there, but they were mostly inconsequential what was happening until Magna Defender came on board. And it was one of those situations where everybody's acting got better by at least a smidge through the sixth Ranger somehow. Yeah. But still, like all of the plot is centered around the the people who are not the Rangers. So when we get to like these Rangers parts that are coming up, just kind of like we've already watched how many episodes at this point you know yeah yeah we've got a red ranger that we can barely relate to at all and then like everybody else is kind of just there with damon just becoming annoying yeah but a lot of incel vibes this season heavy heavy incel vibes this no but- one fucks anymore like i don't know what like somebody, somebody, you know, came to Saban and was like, "Listen, you can keep making the show, but the Rangers can't fuck anymore. That has to, that has to shut down this season. Like, what's up with that, right? Like, every every season up till now has involved like the Rangers getting into like interesting romantic plot lines that help to like give them a little more character time and stuff like that. And sure, like." using romance as a as a character vehicle is is a cheap vehicle but it's better than no vehicle it's a lot better than no vehicle um which is what we got for a lot of these characters like even like cassie's weird crush on the phantom ranger feels like it would have been welcome here in this like weirdly like vol cell everybody is a monk did they all agree that they can't be in relationships until Terra Venture lands or something? Was it like in their in their contract? <laughs> and I'll just say, as a little kid, when I watched the show, I liked the romance. Little kids like that stuff too. There's a reason why it's included in a lot of little kids shows to have a you know a, a age appropriate representation of romance. You know, like people just obviously dating and things like that. And it's because like kids like that stuff. They they want to model after that stuff, and like they look forward to being of the age where they get to do those things, right? I like, want to like bring up examples of like maybe potentially they fucked, but no, no, they, they honestly like no one in this cast was fucking this entire time. Like we even get treated to some like slice of life sort of scenes out in the park laying out having a picnic and stuff there's just nothing there is nothing they're listening to nature empty brained that's it there's just no chemistry maybe that was they don't even seem like good friends no they don't they seem like they just like they're at a lunch table and they sit next to each other because they know each other yeah this is what fascism does to you folks they live in the same part of town and they ride the same bus and they've all known each other since they were kids, but they don't really like each other that much. Hey, you're 30. I'm 30. You know, I know we never really found love anywhere, whatever. Want to get married? Like those types of vibes. That's the vibe. Yeah. (laughs) It's nothing. It's nothing like in space where, you had this team that was already, you know, somewhat bonded. And then they convinced, you know, Andros, this lone wolf to kind of take them in and to work with them and to, you know, 
form together into a team and all of those things like and like eventually by the end of it it's like ah yes you can really believe it that they like these people like love each other like family basically you know and and when they sell that when their characters are like selling that especially towards the end when they all decide that they have to stick together it's like that's like the final moment where it's like yeah these these people are family now you know um and uh lost galaxy no nothing nothing like that yeah 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 i uh, all right heir to the throne <laughs> the throne is great we covered it in our best and worst so yeah, uh, we don't need to say a ton more about it but it's it's a it's you know it's a really fun episode um the rangers also are not super offensive in this episode like they make sense and like there's a tiny bit of characterization and it's fine trakina is awesome after this episode especially her father is murdered by the red ranger and yes. i'm pretty sure like it's it's because deviat Deviat sets him up, and his plan is to take the cocoon. This cocoon, we talked about this a little bit in the best and worst, but I want to talk about the cocoon a bit more now because this is like a pretty central plot point. Basically, Scorpius has this cocoon that if you go in it, you'll come out a lot more powerful. It's like he's been, um, you know, kind of preparing for the fact that like they may not be quite strong enough to just take down the Rangers. And it kind of does seem like the rangers and scorpius are in a bit of a stalemate where neither one is strong enough to defeat the other right and so so scorpius's plan is to have his daughter chakina go into this cocoon and she'll come out ultra powerful but chakina isn't sure if she wants to do it even though she kind of needs to become more powerful especially if she's going to take on the power rangers so that's kind of what leads us to this point and then also, though, Deviat, and there's also been a few other characters that sort of schemed in a similar way over the course of the season, but in particular, Deviat is the reliable one, um, is like, I want the cocoon for myself. I want to take all the power. Whereas Villamax is an extremely honorable villain. And the dynamic between those two is really good because there's times when Villamax really trust Deviat, but it's a lot of times for the wrong reasons. And then there's other times where Villamax and Deviat are kind of at odds, but they need to work together. And like those different types of plot devices are really fun. Yeah. Trakina, with the help of Deviat ba- trying to backstab, but also take out the ring well, and Villamax's help, she was able to bring back the Psycho Rangers, who the... Lost Galaxy Rangers had to team up with the in-space Rangers to take out. And this ended up causing... Hold on. Before, you're skipping something before we get to the Psycho Rangers. An evil game. And I want to call attention to this because this was like a, a runner-up for best episode for me. Really? Like, it was, it was in contention. It was definitely in the top five of the season. Um, Let us hear it. What happens in this episode? So this is a this is a interesting one because um so Trakina has just taken power. She locks the cocoon up because she wants to keep it around. She thinks she might need it later, but she doesn't want to use it if she doesn't have to. And she's also she's kind of upset that her father is dead. And Villamax tells her, Hey, 
I, I know where the Red Ranger is. Let's fuck him up. Villamax heads out. In the meantime, Deviat is also scheming. And so he hires these two monsters, whose names I can't remember because they're just in this one episode, to assassinate Trakina and, like, make it look like an accident, basically, while, like, they're trying to capture the Red Ranger. And I think this is a brilliant plot on every level. Like, Trakina pulls off this, like, scheme to, like, quickly capture the Red Ranger and separate him from the other Rangers so that she could try to have her revenge. And there's, like, that scheme going on. Um, with Villamax, and then there's this counter scheme going on with Deviat, and like it all just comes together in these different ways. Uh, there's an exciting fight between Trakina and the Red Ranger in this like, like Thunderdome, you know, uh, two two warriors enter, one warrior leaves vibe kind of you know like yeah. thing. It's just a fun. It's a really fun episode and. I would actually say this is one of Leo's better episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could say that as well. This was a great episode. I don't really have too much to say about it. I just wasn't wowed by the action. There were just better episodes for sure. But this one, this one really, I, I, I wanted to call a little bit of attention to it because it was definitely in the running for best episodes of the season for me. And I thought that... uh it was a really fun episode with a lot of moving parts and like intricate plots coming together and a lot of action, a lot of characterization. We get to see a lot of Trakina as like this new leader. You know, we get to see a lot of Leo really grappling with a lot of interesting things, having to face some of his own weakness even and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then next we've got to the 10th power and the power of pink which is the episodes where Burkina brings back the Psycho Rangers to take on the regular Rangers. And the In Space cast ends up joining the Lost Galaxy cast to take them on. And it culminates with Psycho Pink ends up killing Kendricks. Yeah. And so the Rangers are now without a Pink Ranger. And on top of this, uh, Kendricks is fucking dead. Yeah. Like, like she's dead, dead. But apparently the morphing grid works like the force. So you get like a morphing grid ghost sorts. Or maybe she's in heaven and she mostly speaks through Maya as we see in Protect the Quasar Saber. Right. <laughs> Protect the Quasar Saber isn't perfect, but I did like this episode as well. I like this episode, but... It's hard to talk about this episode without bringing up the fact of, that Maya in general is heavily problematic. So problematic. She's playing an indigenous character to a fictional world. So she's got like Native American stereotypes sort of adjusted for her character. But there's, she's not Native American. So like, there's no real attempt to give her coherent, like unique culture. You know what I mean? Like, I think you can make the argument that, like, for instance, like, Avatar is a dumb movie. But I think you can make the argument that the Na'vi are well-realized enough to not be, like, just wildly insensitive, right? Because they are their, like, own unique thing that has been sort of created. And it's, like, it's a little insensitive, but it's not, like, wildly insensitive. 
yeah. compared to like this is like there is no attempt to actualize Maya's fictional culture that would like help make sense of some of this. It's just implied themes lifted from real cultures sloppily. Yeah, I think what makes it does it make it worse that she's in like rags? Oh, her outfit is yeah, the outfit is definitely kind and well, it's a combination of things cuz like if in a vacuum, you know, is a white woman not allowed to wear a leather bikini? I mean, I mean that's not exactly like appropriating anyone's actual culture. That's just some made up shit anyway, right? But it's like all these it's just all these things put together is really what makes her character so bad. It's this gestalt where it's like even though there's no particular part that is like wildly offensive on its own, you put it all together and it's like they're clearly referencing certain types of cultures in a very, very insensitive manner. Yeah, and like the Quasar Saber sees Maya interacting with Kendrick's ghost in her dreams. And Kendrick's is telling Maya, hey, you need to protect my Quasar Saber from evil. So they go off to try and protect the Quasar Saber from enemy forces who have gotten a hold of it. But thankfully, it comes to the rescue, Kennedy. Well, interestingly enough, it's, it's our old friend, Caron, a.k.a. Astronema. Honestly, this was my biggest disappointment of the season because <laughs> I wanted this to be great. She's certainly a good actress. And I mean, even like, I will say that comparatively, like, she does bring a little bit of fresh air in, in terms of like, she is a better actress than a lot of these other knucklehead Power Rangers this season. Right? <laughs> like, so like, is it a step down? No. Is it a big step up? No. It's a very, like, Corone taking over as the Pink Ranger is this very small step up. And it's just, it's just a disappointment because it could have been so much more. I mean, she's a former villain. She, she really ought to have some, like, interesting character conflicts, maybe. Uh, maybe she runs into somebody that she kno knows from a long time ago who's, like, shady, you know, right? Like, or something like that. You know, there could be things like that that, like, get explored more. There's, like, a tiny bit of those vibes, but they don't explore it, right? Like, you do see these, like, hints of, like, yeah, she still has these, like, slight connections to her shady past. But it's not, ex it's never explored. It's never teased out. There's no real grappling of like the emotional impact of the fact that she used to be a villain and now she's a Power Ranger. Like they just don't really explore any of the things that could have made this really interesting. She talks more when she's in a suit. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest problem. You can't really perceive like character development all too well. Like how am I supposed to relate to you always in your suit? Right. And that's the problem with Corona's character, I feel. And so all of her character development happens right here. To yeah. Protect the Quasar Saber and then facing the past. And in facing the past, she has to come term to terms with the fact that she's killed people. <laughs> yeah. But this is, again, this is the only moment. And they don't really do a great job of exploring it. This episode is kind of mediocre. It's like a 6 out of 10 at best, probably. It just really feels like this should have been the focus of the rest of the season. Should have been like a 
conflicted storyline about the fact that Carone is able to help them beat the villain because she understands villains, but also she understands villains for reasons that are now traumatic to her. Like, that should have been the focus of the rest of the season. And instead, it's this one episode and it's kind of ham-fisted. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's unfortunate, <laughs> but it is. Like, it's just not... Like, they kind of make it almost as much about the fucking battleizer as about this emotional stuff. It should have... They mix together this shit in this way that's just stupid. It's like, we have these scenes where Corona is, like, thinking about, like, terrible things that she's done. And then it's like, ah, oh, Leo and the battleizer. Pew, 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 pew. The battleizer season is a little bit more tolerable in that... He doesn't look like a puffed-up action figure, but why? 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 Why give him, like, a fucking tank armor? You know? It just, it looks silly and stupid. Strong, strongly agree. He has zero mobility. Zero. <clears throat> it just seems antithetical to the Power Rangers way, right? Like, the suit is very sleek and stylish, and... You get to run around in it, and you're still powerful and all that stuff just to throw on tank armor. Sucks. <laughs> and this is to say the biggest fault with the season, I find, is Enter the Lost Galaxy. How many episodes before we finish the season, Kennedy? Four, five, six. We're in the last seven episodes of the season. And even then, Enter the Lost Galaxy is still, like, past the midway point for the season as well. Yeah. Like... What the fuck? Yeah. So finally, here at the end of everything, we finally enter the Lost Galaxy. Wow. It turns out this Lost Galaxy name has a purpose. And also, it's kind of neat. Like, But like, it just feels like it comes so late that it's hard to really enjoy it. Like, this should have been episode five. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, like the, you know, it should have been like, okay, there are a couple days into Terra Venture is, you know, out here, yeah, heading into Terra space, Venture and then, uh-oh. Deep no, it could, I thought Lost Galaxy was just the fact that Terra Venture was in deep space and they're looking for a fucking planet. That's, yeah, that's like all I was getting from it at first. I fucking hate this. This is also Kai's focused episode. Yes. Yeah, so they have the book that has the Galactabee stuff, and there's a being that needs the book to protect it from evil. Something like that. Kai is predestined to help this Guardians of the Galaxy guy out to protect the book from the forces of evil, which includes Deviat, Trakina, etc., etc., because they want the book powered. Specifically Deviat. And so they get the book away from Terra Venture guards, and ends up coming out to this big giant conflict between Deviat and the rest of the Rangers. And Kai breaks the law for the first time, and it's very exhilarating for him. Yeah. And this is seen as positive character development, which I'm like, hell yeah, hell yeah. But this is literally, like, the last time that Kai gets to shine. Like, the, the drip feed of, like, Kai's character development ends here, and this is it. <laughs> Because after this, he's just yeah. seen as like, hi, I'm, I'm here to help. All right, let's go. You know? So I just want to point out a couple of things. First of all, um, Captain Mutiny 
comes in here. And what's interesting about this is Captain Mutiny is the main villain of Super Sentai Gingamon. Oh. Which is great. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so Deviat ends up casting a spell from the Galactabeast book that warps Terra Venture to a lost galaxy. And it, the galaxy specifically is named Lost Galaxy. Captain Mutiny is the one that greets Terra Venture. So they should have done this from the very beginning. And I'm not just saying that because it's the name of the show and blah, blah, and all these other reasons that we might give. But the main reason that I, I have to say that, uh, that they should have done this from the very beginning is because this would make sense of so much shit. At the end of In Space, Zordon's death is presumed to have like defeated basically all the evil in the galaxy. But if they instantly at the beginning of Lost Galaxy go to this other galaxy that's way dangerous, boom! Everything makes more sense now. Very frustrating. Very frustrating. Seems like really out of order. Like, they clearly knew that they were going to do this from the beginning. And they should have done it at the beginning. Just focused on... You know, the idea that Terra Venture is lost in this other galaxy now, which is not what they intended, and that the other galaxy is really hostile. So much makes sense now. Yeah, this, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. The, this arc basically translates to them versus Captain Mutiny. Yes. Captain Mutiny gives them like a, a Trojan horse, and the motherfuckers are like, well, have no choice but to accept the gift so they they bust out all their military and they open up the gift and it turns out it's gruntor and gruntor is a pretty strong kaiju monster that's fucking up terra venture but here's where <laughs> the they jump the shark yet again yeah and gruntor is seen burrowing through terra venture terra venture is a spaceship out in space. Gruncher burrows through the ground, <sighs> and that's it for everybody. Yeah. Not to mention, Captain Mutiny is able to do this by phasing through the glass protector that protects Terra Venture. Like, at this point of the show, all... Rules and logic of space is out the fucking window. Gone. It's gone. Gone. And they've done moments like this before where it's kind of like, huh? What? Like where you'll have a ranger stuck in between two spaceships and it's like being stuck in between like two helicopters or something like that. They're trying to transfer somebody. It's not like that at all. Like you're out in the vacuum of space, but it yeah. just gets more egregious. And it just goes to show that yeah. this season should have just never taken place in space. You could have given me a fascistic storyline and it could have been on Earth. It would have been just as believable. Or more. Yeah. Yeah. I just truly, truly jumped the shark moments in, in this next arc. The whole Lost Galaxy stuff just doesn't, it doesn't work because it takes place towards the end. And it come to find out most of it doesn't matter anyways because this filler guide, like, 
Immediately they deal with Grunchor and it's Escape the Lost Galaxy, which is Mike's premiere episode. And Mike, with the Magna Defender powers, he goes pretty ham. He puts an end, he does like a stealth mission where he gets captured by Captain Unity. Thank God, by the way, that it was Mike and not Damon. Or I would have fucking screamed. But hey, Mike's out. He's here to stop Captain Unity's slave trade that's going on in the Lost Galaxy. And yes. he's here to bust out all of the slaves that Captain Mutiny captured from Terra Venture. So Captain Mutiny has simply been farming the humans that are on Terra Venture out on his planet and just getting like capture missions done. Successfully, might I add. Kai thinks of this brilliant idea of using the book that got them to the Lost Galaxy to what if we use the book to get us out? Hmm? And it's like, you couldn't fucking think about this? You couldn't fucking think about this in the exact same episode that got you to the Lost Galaxy? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I just don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. Get it's it. not, it's not like, it's not like they, oh, there's a way out with the book, but we need a magic crystal that we don't have, and we have to find that special magic crystal or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, just it's just like no they literally just don't think of it for a few episodes and then they're like oh hey we could just leave with the book duh yeah and the crazy thing about this one is is that this is mike's best episode this is the best like this is one of my favorite episodes of the season simply because it had really good suspense action magnet defender was shooting shit and uh you know like they jumped the shark a couple of times and i was with it literally literally until like the last two minutes of this episode but like up until that point i was like holy shit this is fucking hog like captain Munity's lackeys were threatening to like behead people and there was gonna be like there was gonna be a beheading if it wasn't for somebody like stopping the beheading right yeah which was one much. of the slaves interrupting the beheading yeah um yeah, there's some really like adult shit here. One uh Deviat was purposefully engaging in the slave trade himself, having fun. Just having fun doing it. Like I he mean, didn't have to be here. No. No, he did not. <laughs> <laughs> but Deviat's like, eh, sure, fuck it. Why not? Yeah. Pass by the time. Better than being underneath Trakina. So yeah, I mean there's a couple of fights in here that are pretty stellar too. And it sort of ends with Mike transformed into the gigantified Zord with the Magna Defender powers, keeping open a rift that Kai had summoned to help get them to escape from the Lost Galaxy. And Magna Defender is all like, did such a good job like achieving my dream and all this other stuff. And here's the thing, though. They had to pass through Magna Defender's Zord to get through the Rift, right? And it's kind of seen that, like, when the Rift closes, Magna Defender is gone. Like, Mike is dead. Or at least if Mike isn't dead, his very consciousness has spread throughout all space and time. <laughs> I would have been comfortable with that character dying, much in the same vein that, like, Kendrick's died. Cool, like, we dealt yeah. with that. And that would have been really cool character development except for the fact that leo ventures out into space with his cruiser 
and finds Mike's body and brings him back and he's alive. So dumb. So goofy. Like, Mike's fucking dead. There's no air in space. And they brought him back. And the Magna Defender is all like, his spirit's out there and he's all like, done such a good job of ending. Thank you. Truly kept the, the Magna Defender spirit. And all this other stuff. I'm like, yeah, that shit's cool. But like, what about the part where like, Leo rescued you from fucking space? And this is the beginning of the end, folks. Because after this is the last three-parter of the show, Journey's End. Journey's End is like, too much. Like, you know how we've kind of debated back and forth about the merits of what kind of ending and blah, blah. In Space hit it pretty much right, I thought. I also thought a couple of other seasons have, like, come kind of close. But, like, In Space in particular hit it kind of right with, like, a nice, satisfying ending that wasn't too much, wasn't too over the top, but, like, suited everything that was going on. This one was a little much. It's a three-parter. It drags on a little long. I like some things about it. Conceptually, it's very strong. But the execution drags and drags and drags. I think that these episodes are some of the most offensive to my intelligence. And I would say <laughs> offensive to, like, a 10-year-old's intelligence. Yes. Yeah. Because Trakina goes into the cocoon. So she has an altercation with Deviat where she's like... This is the only good twist. Yeah, so Deviat comes back from the Lost Galaxy. Trakina finds him. Deviat's all like, hey, uh, still cool, right? Trakina's like, I sense it's you to die. And Deviat's like, no, no, no. And there's a struggle. and they. So in the and struggle, they both land up in the cocoon together. Yeah. And, and they fuse together into a horrible new thing. Yeah, so Trakina doesn't become more insect-like. It seems like she, she gets yellowing around her eyes, and she gets some, like, Android tech upgrade. But the most important part that happens is that she becomes more evil and conniving and manipulative. Villamax isn't okay with that. Yeah. And so she trains her army to suicide bomb and this is pre 9-11 <laughs> they couldn't have done this a couple years later that's for sure yeah and yeah so terra venture is like almost reached its low it's its final destination but like right as they're getting there like trakina just fucking shows up and just starts going to town destroying everything they're trying to land on this planet as it has a bunch of the same features like earth and they're like, holy shit, we done it. We found a planet. And right at the at the right time, too, because we we're just about running out of resources, would have had to start rationing. So they go to land the planet, and Trakina's ship interferes. And so mayhem ensues for three yeah. fucking parts. Trakita goes full insect and tries to, to duke it out with the rangers. Villamax isn't okay with the fact that Trakina is sacrificing her own army to meet her own ends. He's like, I didn't sign up for that. Signed up to simp. I didn't sign up to be complicit in terrorism. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so we get put to these interesting moral moments with Villamax. Honestly, the best part about Journey's End. Villamax going, yeah. maybe I'm not that evil. 
Because I'm not willing to kill innocent civilians just to make my ends meet. I'm, I'm here to, like, you know, overthrow the government. But I'm not here to, to, to kill some civilians along the way. And so yeah. Vilmax has a change of heart. Tina tosses him to the side, kills him as he remembers what it's like to have some semblance of morality. And some Zords blow up. Basically, Terra Venture gets kind of fucked up. Most of it ends up on the moon. They, like, all escape to the planet with, like, some of the important supplies, feeling like, okay, well, you know, this isn't ideal, but it'll work out. But then, Trakina does some, some Gundam Xeon colony drop shit and is like, I'm going to drop the, the remains of Terra Venture on your new landing site where you're trying to like set shit up yeah also there's like fucking cracks in the in the ceiling of terra venture right that glass yeah. dome is cracked so technically yeah, the like they've got like 15 seconds before all of the air is gone but yeah the instant that fucking crack emerges you're pretty much all dead <laughs> This is already going into jump the shark territory, and it just goes even further. Like we saw, so much further. We saw a lot of it in Escape from the Lost Galaxy at the very end, but in this in this journey's end, it just you just can tell they're just not going to give a fuck about the laws of space, and so Terra Venture just ends up a broken mess. Red Ranger is able to basically defeat Trakina in time. For Terra Venture to just crash on the moon instead. The Rangers go out to find Leo. And Leo's just like fucking... Leo's just out in fucking space. No suit on. No helmet on. No nothing. And he's just fucking like walking around and shit. And it makes me angry. Yeah. Lo and behold though. Leo and the rest of the Rangers make their way back to this unknown planet. Come to find out. It's the planet... That Maya is from. Oh dun, my god. Dun, the day is saved. They get to live out their days on this planet. And they they bring the swords back to the, the King Arthur Rock. And they put the swords back in. Give their no powers one's back. In, no one's stone anymore. Yeah, Yay. the stone village isn't stoned anymore. All those yeah. people are alive again. Maya gets to be back with her people. Yay! Hendrix comes back to life because fuck you, that's why. Yay! Yeah, they put the, the saber in and Kendrick's like, yeah, I always knew I was going to come back when you put the saber in. Fuck you! <laughs> like Dumb. Dumb. I would have settled for Kendrick saying like her goodbye message when you put the saber back, right? Because her spirit's inside the saber. Hey, she's like, I can now... Be in peace, knowing that the mission's incomplete. But no, Kendrick's is just back. Bad. And the show ends. Ugh. All right. All right. Let's <laughs> let's get into the final ranking rating. Let's do Ranger rankings, shit. then do our season rankings. All right. Ranger rankings. Bottom tier Ranger. Who's the bottomest tier Ranger? Can I just say that they all suck? Is that an option? So who ties for all sucking? <laughs> All right, okay, so actually, all right, so the worst are Maya and Kai, actually. They're tied for worst. I think Maya's a little bit better. I don't because she's so problematic. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, the actual acting on screen's pretty good. Yeah, kinda, kinda. 
if Maya wasn't such a problematic character in concept and in execution, really, she would be like a B tier character. Maybe. Sure, we could throw him in D. I don't care. I don't care. I'm just saying. That's how I feel about it. I gotta rank them at the bottom. Yeah, this is a um, new era, though. So, yeah, Kai is definitely uh, D tier. I might, I might be. You might, you might catch me putting Maya in C. A little bit better than Kai. I don't think I would. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Next up would be uh, Kendricks. A lot of potential, super wasted. Yeah, not enough screen time with Kendricks. Could have been like the whole like liberal counter argument to Terra Ventures fascism. But Kendricks almost had this vibe at first of like the liberal who's starting to realize that she needs to work against the system from within. That could have been cool. Also, yeah. they but they don't do it. Also, Kendrick Yeah. Also, Kendricks is wildly competent. And this is not given really enough credit. Like, she's basically just... Her competency is not used as an interesting facet of her character. It's instead just like, okay, she's really competent. So when we need a plot device of somebody being competent and getting things done, it's Kendricks. But then when we don't need that, Kendricks is kind of weirdly helpless and not good. So, yeah. But her acting abilities still... are good. Her facial expressions yes. are weird sometimes yeah a little off sometimes but just no screen time yeah yeah no. um yeah i i could see yeah. it going i like i said i think maya's a little bit better than kai and then i would put yeah i could see myself putting kendrick's there damon's above that but like we're talking about a game of inches well actually i was gonna put corone next probably oh fuck right corone's a part of the season actually no well no next would be Corona and Leo tied basically as I'd, like I'd put Corona above everyone, and that's not saying much. Like her appearance into the tenth power, yeah, you know what? Power no, pink and uh, and all that other uh, stuff. That little bit of stuff before she became the Pink Ranger was literally better than every one of the other true, Rangers. True. You know what? You're right. Okay. You know. Yeah. So next is Leo. Honestly, I might just put everyone in D tier. And like have that's Corone. how I, I yeah I I might just put everyone in D tier well, no, and everybody's give, like duking it out in D tier and like hold on Corone might be C or no might Here's be the leader of say. D. I would say for me I would do it like this: most of them are D tier. Corone, Kendricks, and Mike are C. Okay, and Corone is the top of the three. It goes in that no, order: Corone, no. Mike, Kendricks. I think Mike's B. You think? Yeah. Mike has solid acting in episode one, despite being a fascist. You know, we got to just accept that this is the most fascist season. I just think the problem with Mike is just not not enough screen time. There's just, not, he, there's just not that much to work his with. His solo-focused episode was really good. Escape from Lost Galaxy. He was really right, well, good I will. I don't know if I necessarily concede that he's B tier. I will say I, I could probably concede that he's the best. He's better than Zane. Is he? Is he? Because he doesn't introduce any conflict to the team. Yeah, but he's also, he kind of has like Tommy vibes. though. Kind of, but. He's second in command of Terra Venture. Like he gets promoted yeah. immediately when he comes back to second in command yeah. of Terra Venture. 
And then he does like the most boss <sighs> shit in Escape from Lost Galaxy. He's definitely the best of them. Yeah, I mean, I'll at worst, that. at worst, I'll he's high C. That. At worst, All right, he's high so C. It would be, Magna Defender, be... though, is B. I don't care what anyone says. Magna Defender is B. <laughs> he has his problems. He goes out badly. But for the most part, he's B. He's not A. He's B. Yeah. Easily the season where the sixth Ranger trumps all. I think Corone, Corone is probably better than Kendricks. And it goes like, for like C tier, it yeah. would probably be like Kendricks. I would put Leo in D. I would stick Leo as like the best of D and Damon right yeah. before. And yep. then put Kendricks, Corone, Mike, and then Magna Defenders. How I would do it. I could pretty much agree with that. Yeah. Let's review it. Lost Galaxy is not that great. It has its moments, which is better than not having its moments. Because, like, in Turbo, all we could really find to enjoy were, like, the goofiest episodes. Here, the serious episodes that hit did hit. There just weren't that many. There weren't any funny episodes to speak of. Bulk kind of just disappears. He's on Terra Venture, as far as we know. So fucked up, mind you, that they left, they left Skull on Earth. Yeah, really fucked up. Insanely fucked up. There's no way back to Earth! Yeah, pretty fucked up. Uh... <laughs> I don't think you thought about that, have you? No, I thought about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, um... it's like the most fucked up thing imaginable. That is literally like your brother. You're not going to Terra Venture with your family. You're going to Terra Venture with this scientist or whatever, this conspiracy theorist that you met. And you don't bring Skull? Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, sorry to get away she from sucked. it, but go on with your season review. I don't know what else I have to say. It's like a 5 out of 10. Is this better than season 2? Yes. Not by a lot. It's mostly better solely because of production quality. I can agree to that. Yeah, this is the most fascist season imaginable. There's a lot of parallels between Terra Venture and countries that we know of in real life. Yeah, uh, including, and it's not good, not good places. Yeah, <laughs> and includes like down to like, almost seems like mandatory military conscription to join. Uh, it's portrayals of race is exceptionally bad music yeah. choice is extremely bad for the first half of the show if you had given this a metal soundtrack or a rock soundtrack hands down i would think that this was tied with season one it would have hmm. made all of the action sequences much much better instead of blurry messes that we legitimately can barely remember <sighs> this gets away with so much because it's serialized I if this is better than season two, I would give it like a five point one, and like season two is like a five point oh. Yeah, that's how that's, it, it's, it's a game of inches. Close. Yeah, very disappointed, very disappointed, and I heavily disagree with anybody on r slash Power Rangers that says that Lost Galaxy is like a contender for being better than in space. Heavily, no. heavily disagree. Not even close. I am looking forward to Lightspeed Rescue because this, you got to remember, this is pre 9 11. So production value is still high up there. Like they're still going to spend a lot of money for the next season, even though this season didn't necessarily garner the critical reception that In Space got. 
I think that having a higher budget season that seems like, as we know from the onset of, uh, what is it, Lightspeed Rescue? Mm-hmm. Lightspeed Rescue is about like emergency vehicles and stuff like that that we saw in Turbo. So I think yeah. I'm excited for Lightspeed Rescue to be pre-9-11, still like end of history era, where we still have like the new millennium type deal, you know? I'm excited to see where that goes, and I'm just praying and hoping that it's better than what we got here. <laughs> I think if yeah. like every if like the next three seasons all end up being like Lost Galaxy quality, it's gonna be a damn well struggle. Which is why you should subscribe to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/SensiTruther. <laughs> for five dollars a month you can see our zordon era rankings uh for the rangers if you liked our ranger rankings here why not see us compare our ranger rankings amongst all of the zordon era seasons huh huh yeah all right and that'll be it for this episode of the sentai truther club thank you so much for listening thank you so much for subscribing to the patreon And please, if you like the show, make sure to rate it on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great one. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.